0: We are in an Eastertide uh, homily series on the book of Revelation. So Last week, we looked at the first few chapters of Revelation, how John, the Apostle, was swept up into this heavenly vision where he sees the heavenly liturgy, this heavenly worship service, and he sees candles, and he sees incense, and priests, in white robes. We talked about how uh, what he saw in heaven was very similar to a Catholic Mass. This is what the Mass is all about. When we gather here together, what well, we're celebrating, our liturgy, the way that we do this, reflects what is in heaven. Even more so than that, it unites and joins with what is being, taking place in heaven. The Mass is where heaven meets earth. And we talked about how important it is to pray well, to lift your heart to the Lord, To sing jubilantly, because that is what we see in heaven. This week, in you heard in the second reading, you heard also from Revelation, from Revelation chapter 7. You heard about this picture of people from every tribe, language, people, and nation in white robes and washed in the blood of the Lamb. They're worshiping the Lamb, who has taken away every tear from their eyes. This beautiful picture. But to understand Revelation chapter 7, to understand this picture and what is taking place there, we need to take a step back to chapter 6 to the four horsemen of the apocalypse. We hear our Lord describing to John, he's seeing this picture there of these four horsemen that are being unleashed onto the earth to conquer. It's a prediction of what is to come. You see, the book of Revelation was written in the 60s. Not the 1960s. The 60s, as in the first century, shortly before the destruction of the temple. And here John is seeing these four horsemen being released. The first is on a white horse. He's given a bow. He's told to conquer. The second is on a red horse. He's given a sword. He's told to remove peace from the earth. The third is on a black horse. He's given a scale and told to increase inflation. The fourth is on the sickly pale green colored horse and told to unleash famine and pestilence on the earth. And they're sent forth. Well, what is happening? What's going on here? This is a prophecy to the Christian community of what is to come, of the destruction of the temple. The Jewish world as they knew it. Because the temple really was indeed their world. It was, the temple symbolizes the world. It's a microcosm of the world. And what, and what it is, their, their whole world is about to be destroyed. And sure enough, that's exactly what took place. According to first century historian Josephus Flavius Josephus, just before the siege on Jerusalem there was seen in the clouds horsemen and soldiers and Then it happened Jerusalem was destroyed the temple was destroyed General Titus Titus Roman emperor came in crucified thousands of people destroyed the temple and it was just as had been foretold to John peace was removed from the earth there was civil unrest, tremendous civil unrest with in Palestine, with Romans against Jews, against Syrians. The commotion, the uproar was so great that historians at the time were surprised that the entirety of Rome did not collapse. It was not a good time to be living. Inflation skyrocketed. There was famine, there was pestilence, there was sedition. It was just as our Lord had predicted in the revelation that he gave to John. And this wasn't the first time that he predicted this. He had said this previous while he was here on earth. He said that the end of the world, the Jewish world, the world as they knew it, would come within a generation. That's exactly what happened. The temple was destroyed. The Jewish world, as they knew it, was no more. The siege of Jerusalem, everything changed in the year 70. This is the unleashing of the four uh, men of the apocalypse, the horsemen of the apocalypse. And it took place just as was predicted. So this sets us up for chapter 7. This gathering, you have all these people in robes worshiping the Lamb. What, what's going on here? Why was the temple destroyed? And, and why are all these people gathered worshiping in this heavenly liturgy? What's, take, what's, what's all this about? We have to answer, why is the temple destroyed? we will be able to answer the second question about why those were gathered in the, in the holy liturgy. Why this temple is a great and amazing temple. And it was, it was taken down to the ground. Why is this? the people of god the jewish people had a mission to accomplish the israelite nation was to be a light on the hill for all peoples to draw them to the one true god to the fullness of the faith and this was beginning to happen we especially see this under king solomon he had built this grand temple and as part of this temple building project, he had placed around the temple what's known as the Court of the Gentiles. Now, building projects are expensive, and Solomon didn't spare any cost, including this courtyard for the Gentiles, this courtyard for people who were not part of God's people, who were not Israelites. He invested uh, in today's what probably would have been millions of dollars into this place for non Israelite people. It's commanded by God to do this. This is a place where non Israelites could come and they could pray, they could learn about the one true God, and be drawn to the one true faith. And this was starting to happen. We read in the scripture about the queen of Sheba coming and talking to Solomon, and others coming, being drawn to this, being drawn to King Solomon, to the son of David and to this faith, and asking questions, and wanting to learn. This is the purpose of this court of the Gentiles. This was the mission of the people of God. But then Solomon, drawn to wealth, and power, and pleasure, began marrying all these foreign women, forming these alliances so they could gain wealth, and power, and pleasure. And Solomon and the people of God began to be drawn away from their mission. How can you show forth... The true faith, the one true God, if you're not following him with all of your heart, mind, and soul. The light began to grow dim. The same thing took place during our Lord's day. You remember that episode is a few different times. We went to the temple and he acted out this parable, the destruction of the temple. He flipped tables over, kicked people out. You know what part of the temple That he did this in? This was in the court of the Gentiles. This is the outermost court. So instead of this court being used as a place of prayer, a place where uh, non-Israelites, non-Jewish people would come and learn about the faith, it was being used for commerce. It was being used for business. Those uh, Gentiles were not able to pray there or to learn about the one true God. And so our Lord, He turned over these tables and He said, He quoted from one of the prophets, He said, My house is to be a house of prayer for all nations. Meaning, for all people. Meaning, it's not just for the Jewish people, it's not just for the Israelites. It's for all people. And they weren't doing it, they weren't completing their mission. This is why our Lord responded in this way. They weren't being a house of prayer for all nations. And so he predicted because they weren't fulfilling their mission, the reason for the Jewish people, the reason for the temple, that it was going to be destroyed. And that's exactly what took place in the year 70. The temple was destroyed. The four horsemen of the apocalypse, these symbols in Revelation, were unleashed. And the temple was no more What does this have to do with today's reading about all these people gathered? The mission of the people of God still exists. It's still here to gather people to the one true God from every um, language and people and nation to be washed in the blood of the Lamb, to worship the Lamb. This is our mission this is who we are. Within, very soon, within less than 100 years after Christ founded the church, people started using a word to describe it. That word is Catholic. You know why the church started being called Catholic? This means um, you know, various things being brought into a whole. This means a wide variety This means inclusive. This means universal, together as a whole. That's what the word Catholic means. That's why the church started being called Catholic, because the church was reflecting this heavenly liturgy. People of every nation and tribe coming together, drawn to the one true faith, to the fullness of the faith, to the one true God. We live in a world today, in what is described, especially uh, recently, as culture wars. In these culture wars, um, people, you know, they trump their issue, and if you're not on board with their issue, you get shut off. You're out. You're separate. They don't want to hear what you have to say. are part of the conversation. We see this especially taking place in social media. In social media, you can kind of craft your own world. So those people who, you know, have different political opinions and religious views... You can simply, with a click of a button, you can unfollow them. You need to hear from them, and you can simply befriend and and keep on people who are like you, who think like you, who believe like you, who vote like you. I was reading the other day that Americans are separating themselves more than ever before, uh, geographically, dividing themselves. That conservatives are moving into what are known as conservative counties and conservative states and liberals are moving to liberal counties and liberal states. And our country, our nation, is becoming ever more separate and ever more divided. And yet, we are Catholic. We are following the one true God. We are to be that light on a hill, drawing in the nation's You know, Pope Francis, he's been working to lead us in this direction. He describes us as a people of accompaniment, using words like walking together, words like dialogue and fraternity. He recently wrote an encyclical called Fratelli Tutti, a letter on fraternity, on friendship. In there he describes St. Francis. Uh, During a time of, of, of great division, you think that relations between Christians and Muslims are bad Right now, they're nothing in comparison to the time of St. Francis. And it was during this time, during a time of a great battle and war, that he crossed the battle lines, that he went into Islamic territory. And he began to befriend them. And he began to share the one true faith. In fact, the guy that was in, in charge of the war on the Islamic side told St. Francis, I would convert if these guys around me wouldn't cut my head off. He was convinced by the fraternity, the friendship, the dialogue that St. Francis was offering to him. As Catholics, we are people of encounter, of welcome. So how are we doing this here as a community? How are we doing this here at St. James? What does our court of the Gentiles look like? How are we welcoming people who are not Catholics? How are we welcoming people outside the church, non-believers? How are we dialoguing with them, encountering them, befriending them? What does this look like in your own life? Scripture says that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. What does your court of the Gentiles look like? Are you inviting those who believe differently than you into your home, eating with them? Are you being hospitable and welcoming? And befriending them? What, how, how can you live out this mission of having a court of the Gentiles in your own life? Of being welcoming and hospitable. Being a light on the hill. Maybe you just simply need to be hospitable to our Lord, inviting Him to come into your life and to flip over some tables, to clean up some things, and make some room for some Gentiles. To make some room for some non-believers in your life. The people of God are those that are gathered together before the Lamb of every tribe and people and nation and language. White robes, worshiping. We know what happened before to God's people when they didn't fulfill their mission. The temple was destroyed. But that is not who we are. We are Catholic. We are welcoming. We are people of encounter and inclusion. This is who we are. We are those of every language and people and nation gathered, worshiping the Lamb of God. This is our calling. We are Catholic, that God may be glorified. Amen.